This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is probably supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Want a great way to recognize your employees? Check out Custom Inc. Have you ever thought about doing something special for your customers? Custom Inc. can do that too. And wouldn't your team love some custom gear? Custom Inc. is ready. Custom Inc. is your go-to custom gear partner with great customer service, quality products, and all-in pricing along with personalized help when you need it and an easy-to-use website when you don't. Plus, everything is 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Check out what we can do for your business at custominc.com. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customer surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. Welcome to Cottage Talk. I am Russ Goldman, and this is our view of the opposition show. As I talk to someone who covers Fulham's opposition for the upcoming match, this episode I'll be talking to Chris Stouffer, who is an Everton supporter and a member of the School of Science radio podcast. He is on to give us the Everton perspective on the upcoming match. Before we get on any further and get to talking about this match, I have to bring on Chris to the show. Chris, welcome to Cottage Talk. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Yeah, hey, Russ. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, listen, I look forward to doing this show with you, and uh, I've listened to your podcast. It's very interesting. Tell the Fulham supporters a little bit about the podcast and your history of supporting Everton. Yeah, so I have uh, – so my soccer origin story, if you will, is that my dad is actually from Brazil. And so if you know anything about Brazil, um, they're soccer crazy down there. And growing up, um, dad did not – was not really interested in basketball or baseball or American football. He, uh, he, we watched a lot of soccer and I think my first soccer memories were the 2002 world cup where I was 13 years old, 13 years old or something like that. And dad would wake me up at two or three o'clock in the morning to watch Brazil's matches over in um, Korea. I believe it was Korea and Japan that hosted that world cup. So I, I got the bug pretty early in life and I came on to supporting Everton after the 2010 world cup when I fell in love with uh, Tim Howard. So that's the, that's the short version. Okay. Very good. It's funny because I'll just tell you everyone that listens to this podcast will know that my connection to Fulham begins with Quint Dempsey. Quint Dempsey used to play for the New England revolution and then decided to go to Fulham. And that's how I got connected to Fulham. And then of course, Right afterwards, they went through a huge uh, relegation battle, and I really got into Fulham. So I understand the connection of a player, like you said, of uh, Tim Howard with Everton. All right, let's get into the show. and Let's start with talking about the season so far. We'll do it in two parts. Let's start with the first four matches for Everton, which has Everton having one win and three draws. So talk about what's been going on in those first four matches through your eyes. Yeah, so the beginning of the season started with a lot of promise, um, particularly against the Wolves game where 
Everton really sort of dominated that match despite having the captain, uh, Phil Jagielka, sent off in the first half. And and the big the big takeaway from that match, obviously, if you, if you followed any of it, was that Richarlison scored uh, twice in his debut, and kind of got the ball the hype train rolling. And the, even with ten men, we looked really good in attack. the uh, The defending was okay, but you know when you when you lose a center back and kind of have to move pieces around, it gets a little bit more complicated. But uh, Everton probably should have gotten all three points from that game um, if it weren't for their spotty set-piece defense, which I'm sure we'll touch on. Yep. But th- that really got folks excited about Marco Silva and excited about Richarlison. And they won the follow-up match against Southampton, um, which should not have been as close as it was. And it, we really felt like things were off and running. And then Richarlison against Bournemouth in the third match lost his head a little bit and headbutted Adam Smith. Um, he got sent off, so that gave us two red cards in three games, and that's where the we've kind of started to hit this little skid here. And you know, there are, there are issues going around. We've had a lot of injuries. Everton lead the Premier League injury table by a lot. Um, last I I've checked, seen the injuries. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> last I checked, we had twelve players on the shelf <laughs> compared to the next closest team, which had seven. So that you know, I'm I'm hesitant to to use excuses like that just because right. every team has injuries, and but that has affected Marco Silva's ability to mold the team in his image because he hasn't had all the new players that he signed, he hasn't had everybody in training and that kind of thing. So the early part of the season was a little bit, um, you know, it's kind of two steps forward, one steps back, one step back. But overall, it was encouraging, I think, and uh, and it, since then it's been a little bit, little bit spotty. Okay, well, let's talk about the two losses. And uh, I listened to your podcast. Very interesting. I would highly recommend uh, everyone listening to your podcast that are interested in Everton also want to know a little bit about what you think about Fulham for this upcoming match. But let's talk about first West Ham. As I was listening, you guys were talking about the mistakes that you made. But in the Arsenal match, it was more about a talent issue. So talk about through your eyes these two losses. Yeah, so... Um, in the West Ham game, Everton, I, I don't feel like many people would argue that Everton have the talent advantage over West Ham. We, uh, you know, you can argue whether or not you prefer Marco Silva or Manuel Pellegrini. That's that's fine. That's whatever. But, you know, we're at Goodison Park against a team that until that match had been by far the worst in the Premier League. That's right. like a minus eight goal differential. And Silva came out and had us press West Ham, which in a vacuum that's that's probably a good idea their midfielders and their defenders are not ex- especially talented and if you feel like you can push them into a mistake we'd we'd make some chances and the press just didn't work out we kind of overcommitted ourselves in the midfield which led to a couple um you know if you you press and go for the ball and then miss well west ham all of a sudden have an opportunity and they t- to be fair to the hammers they took their chances but Everton really wasted a good chance to, to get three points there at home. And it was rough seeing because uh, Andre Yarmolenko, who's West Ham's starting right winger at this point in time, has been linked to Everton for years, going back six or seven years. Wow. And, of course, he finally makes it to the Premier League, not with Everton, and he scores a brace on his first trip to Goodison Park. Yeah. So it's kind of peak Everton there. Um, in terms of Arsenal – Silva's plan really worked to perfection in terms of it was very similar to West Ham. He wanted to press Arsenal's defenders high, but he changed the personnel to a couple of players in Tom Davis and Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who are probably a little bit better equipped to do that press. They're more athletic. They're a little bit quicker than uh, Morgan Schneiderlin and Cenk Sosun. And right from the off, Dominic Calvert-Lewin had a chance in on Petr Cech in the second minute that he should have scored that was created by the press. He did not. We had several other chances through Theo Walcott later in the game, and we did not take those chances. And then, you know, you turn around and Arsenal get half a chance in the second half through Alexander Lacazette, and he puts it in the back of the net. And that's really kind of illustrative of the difference, but right. the, the sort of gap between Everton and that top six is that Arsenal, for all of their troubles that they're, they've been having early this season, they still have those players who can fix it in in a split second and we do not i'm glad that you said that because that's been one of the things that i've noticed a great deal coming back to the premier league the differences and you're talking about obviously a team like everton trying to get in the top six and it can be a player that has that magical moment 
And we've run into that already. We, you know, again, had Kieran Trippier, an incredible free kick for a goal. These situations you see in the Premier League exactly. that are players that are able to do that at such a high level that you don't see as often, we didn't, in the championship. So you have to be at the top of your game. You can't make mistakes as we're finding out. Obviously, a lot of the things that have happened to Fulham in a bad way have been mistakes. Well, uh, so- and- I would I would wager that in the championship, Fulham was the team with those players, right? Alexander yes. Mitch and Ryan. Yes, Sesson. absolutely. We were the ones that had the talented players, like you said, of Mitrovic that could change games. Sessegnon, Kearney, obviously, that would really be the difference makers. And now we're going against teams that have those difference makers, and you have to be cognizant of everything because if you make a mistake, if you put yourself into a bad situation you will get hurt. And that's what I've noticed so far. It sounds like that's what's happened in this game for you. Yeah, the margin of error is just so small in the Premier League. You that's cannot, basically where I'm, where I'm getting yeah, at, yeah. Yeah, you cannot screw around even for a second. And we can, we can afford to, you know, against teams like uh, Southampton, for example, in the second match, right. we, we, we screwed around for 45 minutes and still won the game just because um, our roster is a lot better than theirs right. and we were at home. And then you do the same thing against Arsenal and all of a sudden you lose 2 nothing, and you're like, what happened? <laughs> sure. Then it becomes a situation, like you said, it's a talent issue that they just have players that can just do those elite things that uh, teams mid-table and, and lower than that just – can't do and then you know that's what happens and like you said the margin of error is very small all right let's move on let's talk about Marco Silva and uh, I just want to get a rating from you with his job so far with um, 10 being the highest and one obviously being the lowest and you've already talked about he's dealing with situations with injuries so obviously you can factor that in because probably hasn't been able to really put his style to the test yet to really really where he wants it to be. So I'm curious your rating for him as a manager so far and just tell us a little bit about his style too. Yeah, so if, so if I had to give him a rating from 1 to 10, I would probably say 7. Um he's been he's been very flexible, which is a nice change from uh, Sam Allardyce. He he seems to know how to get the best out of his players and the players seem to enjoy playing for him. You know, we've had a couple of off-field problems that uh, with players like Adamola Lookman and some and stuff like that, but um, he likes to play a four-three-three, uh, and the only variations that you'll really see from that are kind of how they play the four-three-three, not really a formation change. He won't come out in a four-two-three-one or a back five or anything like that. It's pretty much a strict four-three-three that is kind of fluid in the way that it approaches the game. Um, let, if I had to make any criticisms of Marco so far I don't think that he fully understands the person the players at his disposal um, because while he did make quite a few signings of his own this summer most of those have not been available yet so he's dealing with the players from older administrations and I, I think he needs a little bit more time to kind of learn about those players and learn the best way to utilize them um, because uh, so, Using an example of Everton's midfield, um, Adrissa Gay, Gilfie Sigurdsson, and Morgan yep. Schneiderlin being the being the top three players there, all three in their own right, excellent players, um, all three players that have talent, players that can fill specific roles, and they seem like they would fit together very well as a threesome, and yet the midfield has kind of been Everton's biggest problem so far this year. And I, I think that Marco just has not figured out how he wants to use those three players. And so I'll be interested to see if he, if that's something that he can fix moving forward or if the return of Andre Gomez from injury um, on loan from Barcelona kind of allows him to address that problem. But overall, I think we've been very pleased and there's kind of a sense around the fan base that it's hard to judge him completely on these first set of games, given, given the circumstances. I totally agree with that. I I think he needs more time to, really mold the team that he wants. And uh, it's funny because I think the same situation is going on with Fulham, even though Savisa has been the head coach for two and a half seasons now. This is his first time in the Premier League. He has a bunch of new players, and he's trying to see exactly what he has to what this team will be. The the team that Fulham are right now is not the team that it's going to be by the end of the season for a myriad of reasons, but one of them has to do with uh, the coach learning the Premier League and also the players that he brought in to bring it all together to figure everything out. 
and we are definitely going through uh, a learning experience as fans watching this team grow, and uh, they will get better and better, I think, as the season goes on. But let's uh, move on. Let's start to learn more about Everton. I'm actually going to start with going through strengths and weaknesses with you, and then we'll go to key players. And what I want to give you here is uh, I want to go to whoscore.com. I like doing this, Chris. Sure. See what they have to say about your team and see if they match up with what you know. Start with strengths. This is what they say. And I want to get your opinion if you agree with what whoscore.com says. About Everton's strengths, attacking set pieces, attacking down the wings, creating chances using through balls, and stealing the ball from the opposition. Those are listed as the strengths. Do you agree with that? And are there any other strengths that you would mention? Um, I would say for the most part, I agree with that. Attacking set pieces is pretty much solely down to Gilfie Sigurdsson, um, who, as you probably know, is an absolute wizard off oh. a dead, dead ball situation. Tremendous. Really, yeah. really one of the best in the world. And, you know, I hesitate to say anyone at Everton is one of the best in the world at anything. But um, if we're being honest with if we're sure. being honest with ourselves, he, he truly right. is. And the numbers bear that out. Um, it doesn't really matter who's on the end of the chance. Uh, Guilty will give you a chance to put it in the back of the net um, the majority of the time. In terms of attacking down the wings, I think that's uh, that's pretty evident as well. Richarlison and Theo Walcott, while they're not very creative players in terms of their passing output, they're excellent at, put, at scoring the ball. And it's been, it's been kind of interesting because there have been a lot of complaints about Everton's stri- striker this year, Chink Tassoon, and how he's not scored yet and that kind of thing. But the reality is that's that's not what the system is set up to do. Tosun kind of takes a more creative role, which allows Walcott and Richarlison to shine um, in attack, and, and they can focus on shooting and getting into those good positions that allow them to get on the end of chances. Um, don't really agree with uh, creating chances using through balls simply because um, we don't play a lot of our attack through the middle where a lot of those through balls may, may traditionally come. It's not wide. Right, Exactly. Um, you'll see most of our attack coming through the middle. And because that kind of plays into my next comment about a strength that's not mentioned here, and that's Everton's fullbacks. Um, the signing of Lucas Denier from Barcelona, while a lot of people questioned it, and just because, you know, Denier had, he's kind of lost his job at PSG. He lost his job at Barcelona, or never really got his job at Barcelona, rather. But he's been absolutely outstanding um, for Everton. And Seamus Coleman is a, been one of the best right backs in the Premier League for five or six years now. And so that kind of that kind of emphasizes the attack through the wings. Both the right side and the left side are, are tremendous um, when they're on their on their game. Um, stealing the ball from the opposition, Adrissa Gay is kind of mini in Golo Conte, if you will. He's absolutely superb at, at interceptions and tackles. I think he already leads the entire league in tackles by players of any position. So I'll be interested to see him up against Fulham's midfield because I rate I rate those players from Fulham quite a lot, and it should be an interesting battle. Okay, very good. And to go along with this, I'm just going to mention the style that I list, and then we'll go through the weaknesses. Tacking down the right, tacking down the left, play with width, attempt crosses often, opponents play aggressively against them, and they are listed as aggressive. Everything that you say kind of backs up the style that whoscore.com says you have. Yeah, it does, and – I think I don't see any reason to dispute that, especially coming up on Saturday where, um, you know, Fulham so far this season, I think they're gettable uh, down the wing from what I can tell. Okay. Let's now go to Everton's weaknesses. Defending set pieces just listed as weak, protecting the lead very weak. So your thoughts on those two weaknesses. And that's it. Yeah. So um, protecting the lead, I, I think, has been a that's a bit of a misnomer because a couple of the leads that we've blown have been after um, a player was sent off, which obviously makes defending far harder. Um, so, I mean, yes, technically Everton did blow those leads, but I have a hard time really judging their ability to hold the lead too much when it's 11 v 10. Uh, defending set pieces is just an enormous issue for the club right now. Marco Silva has tried to institute a zonal marking system on set pieces, and it has frankly not come off in the slightest. Everton have given up, I believe, 11 goals this season. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think that's right. They've given up 11 goals this season, and five of them have been off set pieces. So, you know, even if you don't erase all five of those set piece goals allowed, you take away two or three, and all of a sudden we probably have eight, nine points instead of six. Okay, very good. All right, now let's talk about key players. 
you can go in many different directions for Everton. So when you're looking at Fulham, and we're going to get more into getting your thoughts on Fulham, who do you see as your key players? Um, so I'm going to start with an obvious one, and that's Richarlison, who just yep. came back from suspension um, last week against Arsenal. You know, we talked a little bit ago about these players who you can just rely on to to fix your problem. And so far, it's, you know, it's a small sample size, sure. But Richarlison has been Everton's great equalizer. If you're having a problem in attack, if you can't break another team down, let's just shovel the ball wide left and let him do something. Um, and, you know, a couple times that's that's worked. And he's he's a game breaker. Um, and Richarlison has really proven to be effective cutting in from that left side and, and either pulling off shots or just drawing defenders to him. And so I'll be interested to see how, how that works against Fulham. Um, another key player I will say is going to be Morgan Schneiderlin if he starts, which he should. Um, he's very key to Everton retaining possession and recycling the ball. He's one of the, the better pass, passers in the Premier League from a deep lying position. And it's kind of one of those things with Everton for the past two years since Schneiderlin came over from United if Morgan is playing well, Everton is playing well. If he's not, we're not. And the consistency with which that is true is a little bit startling, but okay. it's also nice to where we can we know we can rely on him. Okay. That's going to be interesting when we talk about the uh, central midfield battle. I want to really touch on that when we get to that part, when we go through matchups. All right. Let's now get your thoughts on form. Now, I've listened to your podcast. I know where you're going to go on this. You share your thoughts on Fulham, and then we'll talk about key players for Fulham that concern you for this match. Yeah, so Fulham are interesting to me because it appears that they have a, a very stated and commit and are committed to the, a certain style that they play in. They like to play open. They like to create chances, yep. and which I respect, right? Because you see a lot of teams that come up from the championship, cough, Burnley cough, that yep. – um, that want to just park the bus. They don't really want to play football. Yeah, Fulham aren't going to do that. They're not going to park the bus. Exactly. That's, and that's it on that. And and I and I enjoy that honestly. Like that's because I think that if you're building for the long term, that's the way that you're going to actually end up having success and moving your club forward up the right. table, not just you know praying that you get to keep that TV payment and for another year. The you know the downside to that is kind of. Unfortunately, one of the Fulham games that I have watched was that Manchester City match. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and you you do kind of have to question the wisdom of deciding to play that way at Manchester City. And I think the the results bore that out. Playing that way can expose you defensively. And if, you're, if your defense is, A, not the most talented in the world, which, you know, we can argue about that. But sure. the uh, really what my concern more than the talent issue when you play that way is, it's early in the season and there's a lot of new players in that defense and who have not played together for very long. And all of a sudden you're asking them to be stretched very thin. Um, that I, I think Everton can take advantage of. Okay. The one thing that I want to mention about that, because I knew we were going to talk about the defense and uh, we'll talk about some defensive numbers that back up exactly what you're talking about here. And listen, I watched the Manchester city match. We talked about this on uh, cottage talk that, we're hoping at some point that Savisi Jokanovic finds a middle ground, Chris, where sure. yeah. we're not going to change our style, but there's going to be that way that we can play that can be a, not so gung-ho, but can keep the, what they're doing, but be a little bit more defensive. Yeah, and I think I think Burnley, or excuse me, Bournemouth would be an instructive example yeah. of that because Bournemouth are an entertaining team. They like to, they like to to take the attack to you on the front foot, but they, you never feel like it's out of control with Eddie right. Howe's team, and I and I like that. Right, and the reason why I'm bringing this up now because the Watford match, similar to playing against Manchester City, you know, a team that can press us and, and cause us problems, cause a mistake early on. Here we are talking about mistakes. And Savisi Jokanovic made a change at halftime. He changed the formation. First time he's really changed the formation from the 4-3-3 to the 4-2-3-1. So I think that's an acknowledgement that he's trying to change things. And it actually helped defensively with some of the other players that he brought on. And Fulham were a different team in the second half. And to the next point, he actually used a 3-4-3 in the Carabao Cup, which is very interesting. Because, again, it just shows me, Chris, that he acknowledges the issues that they're having defensively, and sure. I think he's trying to fix it. Right. 
and and that's and that's a good sign if he's being proactive and i think i think that's the the right way to go about it okay very good all right who are your key players that you're concerned about for Fulham? It's funny because I was listening to the podcast and you guys are talking about Sessegnon, and I understand why you're talking about Sessegnon, but no one mentioned Mitrovic. I'm curious your thoughts on that. Mitrovic scares the daylights out of me. I'll be, <laughs> I'll just be honest. Um, it, he he feels kind of like a ticking time bomb in that you know he might get a red card, but he might also score a hat trick, and you never really know which one of those it's going to be, uh, particularly with all the injuries in Everton's defense. Michael yep. Keaton came back last week, but he was uh, he came back from a fractured skull. Um, so that he was playing uh, playing with a head bandage on, and you know Mitrovic, uh, if if memory serves, is fairly decent in the air. Yes, could he's very good in the air. And um, Kurt Zuma has actually fit him very well, but he and Keane have not played a lot together. And if Yuri Mina makes his debut on Saturday, which seems like it could happen, he's not played much with Michael Keane either. Um, I think there's a real opportunity here for Mit- Mitrovic to make a difference, and I- I'm a little bit concerned about that matchup moving into the moving into Saturday. Again, I'm not trying to to get you to go in that direction, but I was just curious your thoughts on Mitro because every time I've done these shows, that everyone's talked about how they're going to handle Mitrovic, and uh, I agree with that because I watch him each and every week, and he's a handful, and he yeah, every- ha- happens to be very good in the air, so that's why. When we're going through this, and I've watched everything, I'm like, there's an opportunity for Fulman. It would be with Mitrovic. Yeah, and uh, particularly on set pieces, I think, too, yeah. with uh, um, our struggles in that area and right. like, the lack of defensive continuity. Uh, the, the, one of the things with Mitrovic, you know, I watched several of his games in the World Cup and then a couple of Fulham games early in this year. And the, the thing that I'm left with is why in the world did Newcastle get rid of this guy? <laughs> we talked about that a lot, my friend. And uh, it seems to be a situation of uh, style that he just fits very well into how Jokanovic wants to play and did not at all in the way Benitez wanted to play. So that is a big factor in this. And, of course, there's this Serbian situation with uh, Mitrovic and Jokanovic that has to help as well. And it's just a perfect fit for us. So that's why it's worked well for us. It did not work for Newcastle United. And I don't think it would work because it is a situation that he just didn't fit into the way um, Benitez wanted to play and it just wasn't going to work. So I think everyone got what they wanted out of it, but, but that's all, that's been the question. Why did Newcastle United let him go? Yeah. If you have a system that values Solomon Rondon over Alexander Mitrovic, (laughs) uh, I I think I found the problem, but point, (laughs) point taken. Okay. Very good. All right. Before we go through matchups, I have something interesting I'm going to share with you. Okay. I did this a lot last season, and uh, it's just interesting to look at because I'm not one that goes strictly by stats. I use stats in a way, you know, I think it does help. I think your eyes are your number one thing that you should be looking at, but stats do sometimes back up what you're watching. So I'm yeah, going to do I mean, a little think... stats comparison with you, Chris. All of this information comes from whoscore.com between Fulham and Everton, where they are in the league, and many categories, and then we can talk about it because I just think it's a very good way for us really to get into this match. So let's start here because we're going to start with some defensive stats, and obviously the Fulham stats are not good at all. But let's start with shots per game, and I heard you guys talk about this on your show. Fulham are 19th in the league at 17.2. Everton are 8th at 11.7. Tackles per game, Fulham are tied at 15th with 15, and Everton are 2nd at 19.8, which is very good. Interceptions per game, former 11th with 10.8, and Everton are 7th with 12. Now, those are just defensive stats. Now, let's go to offensive stats. Goals, former tied at 10th with 8, and Everton is with them. Shots per game, former 8th with 14. Everton are 14th at 11.2. Shots on target, former 8th at 5.3. And Everton are 12th at 4.3. Possession average, former 7th. At 52.8, and Everton are ninth at 50.2. Passing accuracy, this is a stat that we use a great deal on Cottage Talk. Fulham are fifth in the league, which I think is very good at 83.1%. Everton are 14th at 77.1%. Overall rating, rating all the players. Fulham are 14th at 6.64. Everton are 15th at 6.63. That actually surprised me. I just want to mention that. So. 
all these stats I just gave to you, what stands out to you? So I think it's interesting, right? Because you, you mentioned about using your eyes and, and then statistics. What, what I, I like to think of statistics as the way to prove your eye test. Okay. Right? Because it, you, you use your eyes to evaluate these things and then you go and check and see, well, do, does, do, does the math back, back up what I'm seeing or do I need to change how I'm looking at this? And I think in the case of Everton and Fulham, the stats kind of bear out what you're seeing, right? right. Fulham's struggles with their defense – um, and then the interesting thing to me there was in the passing numbers in terms of the uh, completion accuracy. Yep. Everton have struggled to move the ball through the midfield, as I mentioned earlier, whereas Fulham have a lot of talent in that midfield between right. Tom Kearney and um, your new signing, Sari, from yep. uh, Nice. And so that is – and I'm sure we'll get to this with the matchups, but that yep. that is what's going to be interesting to me is that midfield battle. Right. And I agree with you, and that's why I wanted to share all these stats with you because we can really delve into when we go through the matchups, you look at things. And another factor that I want to ask you before we talk about matchups, I heard you guys talking about this, and you mentioned this already on the last two matches with Everton, the high press. Do you expect Marco Silva to play a high press against Fulham? I don't especially um, expect that just because I think that after two consecutive losses employing that tactic – he um, is going to go away from it, and I think okay. that we'll see um, Schneiderlin and Tosun draw back in. And they're they're highly technical players. They're very gifted, um, but they're not extremely athletic. And uh, Silva's press requires athletes all over the field. So I think you'll see him at least try to get back into more of a possession-based game. Okay. The reason why I ask that is that uh, teams that have – pressed high against Fulham, obviously I'm talking about the last two opponents, had joy, especially Manchester City, as you know. So sure. that's why I was curious if what the tactics would be. So you think he's going to go away with it, more concerned about what Everton need to do instead of worrying so much about how to hurt Fulham. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think that, um, you know, early in the season when we were getting results, um, he wasn't pressing quite so much. So I think okay. that... Um, he might just go back to that. Yeah. Okay, very good. All right, let's now go to the matchup. So let's start with Fulham's attack versus Everton's defense. Who do you give the advantage to? I'm going to give a um, – I think I'm going to give a slight advantage to Fulham simply because, as I mentioned, the continuity in terms of personnel um, has been up and down for Everton. I'm not sure that we've used the same center back pairing more than once yet this season. We've had Mason Holgate and Phil Jagielka. We've had Mason Holgate and Kurt Zuma. We've had Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma. Uh, it's been kind of a mess. and Sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, you see, you know, this causes issues, especially in communication. Yes. Where one guy will blow an assignment, and he he's not telling his, his teammate that he's he's headed upfield, and you need to mark this spot. And on set pieces, Jordan Pickford is not used to communicating with these players yet. And so I, I think I think there could be some joy there for Fulham, particularly with, with Mitrovic um, in the middle. And I, I – and we'll, you know, this may may become evident as we talk a little bit more, but I think there's going to be goals in this game. Oh, I totally agree with you on that. I forgot to mention that whoscored.com predicts 2-2. So just keep that in mind. So they, yeah, they're predicting yeah. goals too. All right. Now let's talk about Everton's attack and Fulham's defense. And uh, let's just say I'll, I'll put my hand up and already say uh, I agree with you because I know you're going to say Everton's attack because Fulham's defense has been bad. The one thing that I do want to mention about Fulham's defense, you guys talked about this a little bit on your podcast. I'm glad that you mentioned this. Main player that has been out that I think has affected the defense has been Tim Ream. And Tim Ream is on the way back. He actually played 60 minutes in the Carabao Cup. I hope and hope that he's available to play against Everton because this goes back to what you just said about Everton's defense. Fulham's lack of communication calmness that all comes from a leader and the leader is Reem. and until they get Reem back I think we're going to continue to have these communication problems these errors he's that important to how Fulham play defensively and uh, I didn't realize how much it was we just started talking about it I was you know again I wasn't really giving it as much stock as I should have and it's really self-evident that Fulham miss. Tim Ream. But even with Tim Ream, you definitely, in my opinion, you get the advantage, but I want your thoughts on this as well, obviously. 
Yeah, so the one thing that I will say about Fulham's defense is I think the players are better players than they're getting credit for. I really like Alfie Mawson. Um, yeah. I actually I rate Callum Chambers. Um, Everton were actually interested in Joe Bryan there for a little while last season. Right. Um, so I, I think that there's there's more talent there than people think there is. It's just a matter of getting everybody together and on the same page, which, as you mentioned, is something that Tim Ream could probably help with. Yep. Um is Tim playing uh, – he's playing on the left side, right, not in the middle? He is playing on the left side. And uh, like I mentioned, he was a player of the season. And, and um, one of the things that Fulham have continuously done is play the ball off from the back. And sure. he's excellent at doing that. And without him, then you try to see players like a Chambers, like a Mawson, try to do it, and even Maxine LeMarchand, and they're just not as confident as, say – Ream to do it. So that to me is one of the reasons why he's been sorely missed because they have this style that they want to play and uh, there just is that lack of continuity without him. So hopefully he'll be back for this match. We'll see. Like I said, he, uh, he played 60 minutes yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday. So we'll see. Yeah. And, and that being the case with, with that kind of up in the airness of Fulham's personnel and, just Everton's very settled in the players that they want to use in attack. Yeah. Um, it's it's any any number of Richarlison, Theo Walcott, Chink Tassoon, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, and, and then Gilfie Sigurdsson to some extent. And uh, the attack is extremely fluid. It's extremely fast and athletic. And Everton's wingers will be in behind your defense before sure. you really realize what happens. Um, I think Theo Walcott makes a big difference in this game coming uh, d- down the right wing. Uh, because he's looked to be in excellent form this season, and he's a player who he works so well off the ball. Um, he does not need the ball to make a difference. He just kind of appears in front of goal, and all of a sudden you're in trouble. Um, Richarlison kind of, at this point, needs no introduction in terms of his effectiveness. Um, I think really where the game could be won and lost is, um, depending on who starts at the number nine for Everton, Ching Tosun is he's – really good at a lot of different things. He's just not great at any one thing. And if the, if the blues can get him kind of fit and firing, it'll make a huge difference. Okay. Well, now let's go to the battle in central midfield. And I just want to mention one player that is still injured. I do not know if he's going to be available for this game. I was hoping he was going to be available for this game. And that's Tom Kearney. He's uh, been injured with an ankle injury. So that would be a big difference. If he's available to play, we, we shall see. So, want to get your thoughts who has the advantage here in central midfield i'm gonna give fulham the slight edge i think that may surprise some people but i've watched um every minute of everton so far this season and while the players individually are very talented the way that they fit together has been kind of a problem which i didn't really expect uh, but i don't know that uh, playing against uh Sari and I believe it's uh, Anguisa and yes. Tom Kearney is is really a good place for them to get back on track because that's you know they just came, Fulham just came up from the championship but that is a top half of the table midfield in the Premier League. I understand that. All right, let's talk about the coaches. I find this one fascinating. You've already talked a little bit about Marco Silva and uh, Savisa again getting his feet wet in the Premier League, learning the Premier League, but did an incredible job for Fulham in the championship. So I'm just curious your thoughts on this. Who has the coaching advantage, or is it even? Yeah, so it's interesting, right, because uh, Jokanovic has been with Fulham for a little while now, even though he hasn't been in the Premier League. Uh, While you look at Silva, he's just been here a couple of months. And there is kind of this undercurrent among some people where they question Silva's resume, if you will, because he had Hull City um, a couple years ago playing really well. They nearly saved themselves from relegation, but – they did go down. Then there was some an acrimonious departure from Watford where they started the season with their hair on fire, were well into the top half of the table and spent some time in the European spots. And all of a sudden, Everton came calling when they fired Ronald Koeman and Silva's, apparently Silva's head was turned and Watford really dropped off and he got himself sacked, which we I, I question the, the fairness of that decision by Watford. Yeah. But um so it, there's kind of a sense in which Silva still needs to prove himself despite showing that he can get his teams playing really excellent football. Um, I think it's a pretty even matchup in the end if if we're going to kind of score it. I yep. think Yukonovich has um, the continuity edge. He has the uh, experience edge in terms of with one team. But I would 
tentatively say, and this is no disrespect intended, but I think Silva's probably a little bit better tactically speaking. Okay. Um, but but that that gap is narrowed by just Jokanovic knows his team so much better yeah. than Silva does. Like I said, he's still learning the league, and it's pretty obvious. Like I said, here we are. We're talking about him changing formation. So he's trying to figure out how to best play his team each and every week. And it's funny because there has not been a settled starting 11. So he's still figuring out what he has and what works best against each opponent. So we've been talking about it's almost like um, we used to joke years ago about Felix Bingo when they have Felix McGathy. You never would know what the starting 11. It's a little bit like that now with Fulham because I think he's trying – to find his best team. But I also think he's also matching up against the opponent. So there's a little bit of, I think, both going on there. So I understand where you're going on with uh, with Silva, you know, having an edge, slight edge over, over uh, Jokanovic as he learns the league and also learns his team what he can and what he can't do in the Premier League compared to the uh, championship. All right, let's go to my section of predictions. Obviously, we're going to end with your prediction for the match in mind, but let's start with this. What does Everton need to do to win this match? How do they win it? So this is going to seem a little bit counterintuitive, but I think that Everton can win this match by defending well because okay. Fulham's attack is the part of is the part of their team that concerns me the most. And Everton showed, uh, you know, you wouldn't really know it by the scoreline from Sunday, uh, the two the two nil loss to Arsenal, but they really defended much better than they had earlier in the season. And I think that we may see our first instance of the same center back pairing um, in two, ga- two games in a row and Michael Keane and Kurt Zuma. And so I think that if, if Everton can kind of keep Alexander Mitrovic under wraps and not let Andre Sherla shoot 55 times a game or whatever it is he's <laughs> averaging, that, um, that that's really going to be key because the, the fact of the matter is against Fulham's defense and with the talent that they have, Everton are going to get their chances really in this game, I feel. No matter no matter how the game shakes out, there's going to be opportunities for Everton to score. So if they can keep keep Fulham under wraps on the other end, I think that's that's the big key for me. Okay, now I'm going to do something that most of my guests don't like to do: be in the shoes of the opposition manager. So I'm going to put you in the shoes of Slavisa. What would be your approach to beat Everton on Saturday? I would try to play the ball through the midfield as as absolutely as much as possible. Um, and really put pressure on Everton center backs. Um, I, you know, like I've mentioned several times now, the talent is there in Everton's midfield. They are positionally suspect, though. They really, particularly Adrissa Gay, gets over aggressive in his attempts to win the ball back. And what happens there is Gay will kind of run around like a chicken with his head cut off occasionally. And then Morgan Schneiderlin will feel like he has to cover for Gay, and all of a sudden that leaves huge swaths of the field open. And so Fulham can really take advantage of that by forcing the issue in the midfield, and I think that they have the ability to do that too, and that that really concerns me. Okay, excellent. All right, let's end with predictions. What's your prediction, and I'll share mine. So um, I'm te- I'm very tempted to go with uh, with who scores prediction, but th- I feel like that's a bit of a cop out. So I'm actually going to say three uh, two to Everton. Okay. It's funny. I was thinking the same thing. It's easy to go 2-2. But I'm actually going to go with a Fulham victory, and this is the reason why. And it has to do a lot with how Fulham played in the last match. When they played Watford, it almost felt like a continuation of playing Manchester City in the first half where Manchester City were so dominant. And Watford played much better than Fulham in the first half. Then Savisa made changes, and we found another way for Fulham to play. That's what gives me encouragement that if things go wrong against Everton, that he has the ability to make the changes that he feels will change the game. He's already shown it. And uh, I also like the fact that I've already mentioned to you that he was willing to experiment with a 3-4-3 in the Carabao Cup. I don't know if he's going to use that against Everton, but that just got me to think, okay, he's really trying to think of ways to fix this team defensively and also going forward. Another way to play, because our big thing, Chris, has been there's no plan B. I think right. he's trying to look for a plan B, and I think he's possibly coming up with some solutions for a plan B, because that's been our big thing. He just has one way of plays to 4-3-3, and that's it. Well, now we've seen the 4-2-3-1, and now I've seen the 3-4-3 in the Carabao Cup, and I've seen players come in for other players and things mixing and matching. 
So that's what also gives me encouragement against us. That's why I am going for a two-to-one. This is not a disrespect to Everton. Not, certainly not because Fulham have not won at Goodison Park. So I understand the history there. I'm just looking at what's been going on with Fulham, and I just think this is an opportunity. It could very easily be the whoscore.com score. It could be yours as well. I just think that there's going to be goals in it. And um, I'll leave you with one thought because I know you guys talked about this on – your show, and you were curious about Ryan Session, and I think we can end talking about that. One of the reasons why I think he's even searching for all these different uh, formation changes and looking at things is he wants to get his best players on all together. Sure. And Luciano Fietto has, I think, has played fairly well to go along with Sherlin Mitrovic. And I've always said that Ryan Session deserves to be up front. But here's the thing, if you maybe tweak the formation, change the formation, maybe move some players around, there's the potential to have Sessegnon in there up front or somewhere else. And uh, I don't like him as a left back. I don't know, maybe if he plays three at the back, he becomes a wing back. So it's getting me to think that Ryan Sessegnon, Pavis is trying to find different ways to utilize him. He wants him in there, but... He also likes what he has up front. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I was sitting here thinking, you know, a three-four-three really feels like it would play to Sessignon's strengths because he he wouldn't have to play all the way up front. You could put no. him at that wing back position, and he can still impact the attack. I was and... thinking about that this morning after the uh, match in the Carabao Cup. I said maybe a left wing back would be a good place for Ryan Sessignon. Yeah, and and you kind of, I think I mentioned this on our podcast. It's it was a little strange to me that I, I believe Sessegnon spent most of last season playing up front, it um, did. if memory serves. And then you move him back down the field to a more difficult position at the same time you're playing more difficult games. Yep. Um, that had to have been hard on him, and I think the best way to, to kind of further his development and also at the same time get Fulham results is, is figure out ways that you can move him up the field. Right. That, that being said, and I know we're probably running out of time, yep. I don't know that – uh, back three is the greatest idea against Everton just okay. because of how, how devastating we could be down the wings. I think that sure. if, you, if your wing backs are pushing high up the field, like I suspect that Sessegnon would be, um, I would not yep. want to leave all that space in behind the defense, um, at, especially at Goodison with Richarlison sure. and Walcott on the field. I think that might be a little bit dangerous. But going forward for Fulham, I think that's that's certainly something that should be experimented with. Right, and that's what I was more talking about. Like I said, I don't know if he would use that at Goodison Park, but I'm saying moving forward, the fact that he's considering using three at the back actually excites me. So that's that's kind of why I brought it up because I was also thinking about how can he utilize Sessegnon and still play Vieto and, and just move move the parts around because there are some talented players there. And I think he's just trying to figure out how to get them all on at the same time and also be effective. Uh, yeah, all right, my friend. Let's, go ahead. No, the the last thing I was going to say was I would be interested to see which of your midfielders would drop out in that case because you know you with the three four three you have to go with uh, with two central midfielders. I know, I know, and we you know and again we've already been talking about what happens when Tom Kearney returns, so sure. that's also another thing. But you know what, it's a good problem to have. You know oh, when is, you have definitely. players that you have to mix and match, and you have to figure out how to fit them all in. That's a good problem, and uh, obviously in your situation with Everton, when you get your injured players back, that will be a benefit to you. Indeed, and I, I think we're we're looking forward to having that kind of problem rather than the current one. So, <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, listen, thank you so much for joining me. We went a little bit longer than, than I thought we would, but I just want to thank you for your time. And please tell everyone a little bit about your podcast one last time and also how they can follow you on Twitter and also the, the podcast itself. How can they reach it? Yep. So School of Science Radio is available wherever podcasts are sold. You can find us on Stitcher. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes, of course. Um, it's a weekly show we'd like to release on Monday morning so we can kind of talk about the game that happened that weekend, um, anything going on in Everton land. We will also preview the next week's match. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at SOS Radio RBM. And the RBM just stands for our affiliated website, which is royalbluemercy.com. Yep. And, um, you know, it can tend a little bit towards the irreverent. Um, a couple of guys on there I've been good friends with for a while now, so we kind of have a, a lighthearted and casual tone. But uh, okay. we're looking forward to getting this thing up and going. We're on our fifth episode, and we have really enjoyed it so far. Well, I enjoyed listening to it. Maybe I disagreed a little bit about the uh, Fulham 
part of it. But, you know, hey, I mean, you're entitled to your opinion. I understand well, why you guys were focused on the defensive. Listen, it makes sense. I, I get it. And and we, we, we kind of like to – to mock our upcoming opponent, no matter who it is. So we, we mocked, we mocked West Ham just. For the I know. And then we spent a lot of time making fun of Petr Cech. So <laughs> I don't think that tactic's going to change, even if it did backfire. Not a problem, my friend. Listen, I, I still enjoyed your podcast. I really did. And I learned something about everything. And that's also why I definitely want to recommend everyone listening to uh, your podcast, because you can really get a lot out of it. I know you're just early on, but you're doing an excellent job. So appreciate that. All right. Not a problem. Well, let's wrap this up. For my guest, Chris Dofer, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for listening to Cottage Talk. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, stop, stop. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just one dollar text the word grade to 32 32 32 right now hooked on phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day for more than 30 years hooked on phonics has been the proven learn to read program that kids love to use text grade to 32 32 32 and teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed text grade to 32 32 32 right now and get started for just one dollar text grade to 32 32 32 now text grade to 32 32 32 it's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.